Hey there, I'm Heather Mulder, a former AmLaw 100 partner who, just five years into my legal career, found myself questioning, why work so hard to barely be squeezing life in? So that I wouldn't become yet another attorney burnout statistic, I decided to redefine success on my terms from the inside out, which is what enabled me to build a profitable legal practice while navigating my way through the challenges of two kids and two bed rests, the 2008 financial crisis, and a battle with breast cancer. What I learned is that you can build a successful legal career without sacrificing your health or personal happiness. And I'm on a mission to help you do exactly that. Join me each week for practical, unfiltered advice on how to successfully navigate the challenging legal market and succeed in both law and life. This is the Life in Law Podcast. Welcome to the Life in Law Podcast. This is your host, Heather Mulder, and we have a special treat with us today. We have Sarah Cottrell. Sarah, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Why don't you quickly tell us who you are and what you do? Yeah. So um, I am a former lawyer. I practiced law for 10 years. I started out in big law and then I spent a year in legal publishing. And then I spent the last six years of my legal career as a staff attorney at a state appellate court. And in 2018, I left legal practice in 2019, I founded Former Lawyer LLC, which is a company where I help lawyers who don't want to be lawyers anymore figure out what it is that they actually want to do. Wonderful. Okay. So let's dig in just a little bit more because you, you have a varied career. So what, tell us a little bit more about like your story, what made you want to be a lawyer in the first place, and what had you kind of switch at each stage that then led you to where you are now? Because I think that is a really interesting thing for people to know. I think a lot of people see themselves in me and you, you know, sadly, there are a lot of lawyers out there who decide, wait, I don't want to be doing this anymore. So (laughs) and hearing others, other people's stories about how they kind of got there, I think helps them figure out, okay, is that really me? And what are my next steps? Yeah. I tell people that when I look back on the decision to go to law school, like the amount of information that I didn't have is, is slightly disturbing. I, it very much was one of those, like I was an international studies and leadership studies, double major in undergrad. I had originally thought that I wanted to go to DC, um, to do some sort of like policy work. I realized I didn't really want to go to DC and it was sort of like, okay, what am I going to do? with this degree or this and law school is just sort of like an obvious choice. I'd taken a couple of classes that were cross-listed at the law school at my undergrad that were like constitutional law type classes. And of course, uh-huh. you know, I, was like, I love constitutional law as, you know, all aspiring law students or most we aspiring all fall law in students. Love with constitutional yes. law. Yeah. But yes, very yes. few of us practice it. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, and I actually went to law school thinking that I wanted to teach law. I really liked research and writing. And honestly, those were the reasons that I decided to go to law school. I, when I went to law school, I had no concept of like what the legal landscape looked like. I had interned for um, a state court judge, but other than that, like, I didn't know what big law was at the time. I didn't know what the salaries were, but ultimately what happened is I ended up in law school. I realized I did not find legal scholarship to be at all compelling. I did not not want to spend my entire life doing that, which is what I would have to do if I was a professor teaching law. And so I just sort of switched and was like, okay, well, research and writing, 
um, I'll do litigation because that's a match. <laughs> um, and I think the reality is that like I went to law school not intending to practice law, which in like retrospect, I think means I had some awareness that practicing law was itself was probably not a great fit for my personality, but I ended up in a big law firm doing sort of like general commercial litigation. And for probably the first year, I sort of thought like it felt horrible, but I didn't think it was okay for me to feel like it was horrible because it was like the thing that everyone was supposed to want. And like I was doing it. So, you know, um, and then about a year, a little bit after that in, I realized like, oh yeah, I just don't like this and kind of went through the standard, like, well, maybe I wanted to be in a different practice area or a different size firm or blah, 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 blah. And like, as sort of the process went on and I, um, did some interviewing for other jobs, I realized like, oh, I actually may not want to be a lawyer, but what does that look like when I, really want to pay off my student loans before I leave law and also have zero idea of what I would do if I actually stopped being a lawyer. So right. um, that's sort of the incomplete version of what ultimately led me to the decision to leave the law entirely. So it sounds like though you knew pretty early on, you didn't really want to practice, but you felt like you didn't have a lot of other choices given your debt. Right. Uh, yeah, I pretty much. So it's interesting. Um, and I've told, told this story before on my podcast, like in 2011. So that was for me, that was three years out of law school. My husband and I, we were both in big law and we would walk around our neighborhood at like 10 PM at night. Cause it was the only time that we both had free. I, at that point was like very over <laughs> being a lawyer, certainly being a lawyer in big law. And also the two of us had gotten really into listening to podcasts and this conversation was happening, which uh, resulted in me saying like, there should be a podcast called the former lawyer podcast where like people talk about how they figured out what they want, wanted to do and how they actually left law because people say you can do anything with a law degree. And then when you're someone who's like, please let me do anything else with this law degree, you're, you realize like, there's like a list of like, well, maybe you want to do compliance and like, that's just not very helpful. So Mm -hmm. Um, we actually bought the former lawyer domain in 2011, even though wow. I still plan to stay in the law in like a non-big law, non-soul-sucking uh, role um, at, for some number of years until I paid off my student loans. So yeah, we had the domain since 2011 and the podcast didn't launch until 2019. Wow. So you kind of knew in the back of your mind, this is what I want to do. I just don't know how I'm going to get there. I think that's, though, sadly, not an uncommon story because we all, I mean, all know people, even those of us who were, and I was one of those people that obviously I left the law and I don't practice anymore, but I wasn't unhappy. Okay. Well, let me say this. I was very unhappy my first year of practice, really first couple of years, but looked around and realized, I think I still want to be a lawyer. I just want to be a lawyer differently than what most of these other people are doing it. How can I make this work for me? But there are a lot of people who look around and go, no, I don't even want that. And I'm not sure why I went to law school or I went, but I realize now it was for the wrong reasons because a lot of people I knew went to law school because it was just the thing to do with the degree they had. Or 
They'd gotten a degree, but they then realized they didn't really want to do that. And so the easiest thing, the easiest answer for a lot of people, for whatever reason, was to go to law school. And I wish that wasn't the case because it's so freaking expensive Mm -hmm. Um, and it's gotten even worse and it's just putting you into bigger bind. And then you get handcuffed into these jobs that feel soul-sucking to you because it's not the right place. It's not the right thing to be doing at all. Yet you have this humongous debt to be paying off. And so people get so stuck. So sadly, it's it's not an uncommon story. What I love is that you have turned it into something that where now you know, okay, well, I can help you if you're there, not take, okay, how many years was it for you? <laughs> you know? Yeah. You know, eight, seven, eight, nine years from the time you figure out, I don't really want to be doing this to the time you actually move on to that next thing, Right. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, there are a couple of things there. One is that looking back, I realized I probably, I I had a very like black and white idea about my student loans and like I needed to pay them off. And I think I probably could have been more flexible because I've, I've seen other people sort of in similar situations, sort of like make it work by being a little bit more flexible about their debt situation. So, so one, I think there's that. The other thing is like, it has been stunning to me. I really thought that most likely the people who would most resonate with like what I was sharing, my story, et cetera, would be people who maybe you were in a similar sort of like seniority to me, or maybe a little bit less in terms of practicing. But I hear from people weekly, and this is not an exaggeration, like multiple lawyers every week who have been practicing typically for like 20 plus years Uh who say, I literally first started thinking about this, like in my third year of law school or like my first year of practice. And in my program, the group program that I have for lawyers who are trying to figure something else out, like about 20 percent, 20 to 25 percent of people in there are in the like 18 plus years of practice, which I'm not sure why it was surprising to me. I, I, I I just, it's, um, it, it really is true that there are just so many people who think about it off and on for years and years and years. Um, and also feel like they're the only one who feels that way. (laughs) Yes. They definitely are not. I'm kind of like you. It's stunning yet not. So Mm -hmm. I remember when I told people I'm leaving and they were stunned Kind of. I mean, I think what's interesting is when I went through the cancer, I remember while I was going through it, people questioned whether I'd come back. And I was like, what the, like, of course I'm going to come back. Are you crazy? I mean, as long as I live, (laughs) I'm going to be back. And then I came back and they were like, okay, great. And then I think once I came back and stayed that first year, they thought, okay, she's a lifer again. And she's, you know, and then after a while, I started realizing something had changed within me. I had changed because of the experiences I went through. I wanted to use my strengths, my gifts in different ways, all of that, which ultimately led to me leaving. So when I announced, they were very surprised. But in addition to being surprised, the number one comment I got was, oh my God, I wish I were you. I wish I could. And mind you guys, I was a partner in big law. I was a very a pretty successful partner. I'd been practicing for 18 years when I announced. Because when I announced, I was done. Like, I knew for two years I was leaving and financially planned to be able to leave so that 
we as a family could keep our lifestyle. <laughs> and I could mostly so we could can, continue to send our kids to their school um, and not have to like upend their entire lives because of this decision that I'd made. So I knew for two years. So when I announced, it was like, you have a month and that's it. I'm gone. <laughs> I'm transferring all my – I'm giving you a month so I can transfer my clients over to the proper people and walk away. And it was just – it was what was stunning to me, my peers were were lawyers who were my level and up. So it was crazy to think – like very successful, more successful than me monetarily, like saying, I wish I could be you. I wish I could do this. I would, you know, and I'm like, well, why can't you, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's sad. Yeah. I, you know, I think this is a conversation that we have a lot in my program because I do have people in the program who literally are like in their first year of practice to 20 plus and all sorts of, you know, big law, mid, small partners, associates, all just all over the place. And one of the things that I think is so instructive and to your point can feel a little bit shocking is when the people who are kind of like in the, the role of you've made it like it, when you're that, that, you know, when you're 20 years in and you're that partner and like in a prestigious role and those people are saying, basically, I feel the same as someone who's in what is perceived to be a much less like Uh more junior, less prestigious. You just realize like, oh, there is something very powerful that is keeping people who really don't want to be doing this on the path of doing this. Because there are like, and I I know you and I agree with this, like there are people who, for whom being a lawyer is great and it works. And like, I am never here to be like, let me talk you out of this career Uh that is totally working for you. But there are so many people, so many people who, you know, we might think of as like, they have arrived as lawyers and they're like, I I don't want to be here and I don't want to be doing this. And I don't really know how to not be doing this because everybody around me is telling me this is what you should want to be doing. Right. And, and their experience is not congruent with that. Yeah. And I would say, part of that, I think we correctly and incorrectly diagnose it as a golden handcuffs. Part of it is that, right? You enter, you start practicing. Almost all of us have a lot of debt. Um, It's gotten worse since I started, obviously. But back then, it was still a lot of debt for the amount of money we made because we didn't make the same money people now make, right? And so you kind of have those golden handcuffs, but that's only a piece of it. I think there's also that what is success narrative that we have in this country and that lawyers especially have. And there's also this in this path that it's expected that you follow. And so you kind of feel this like, well, I'm supposed to be doing this. And I'm and we're big rule followers as lawyers. And, <laughs> you know, so we get caught up in all of that and think, well, this next thing will make it better. I'll make that next, you know, I'll get promoted. I'll become more senior. I'll do all these things. And then the next thing you know, it's 10, 15, 20 years later. And oops that next thing never solved your problem. So if you're there, <laughs> that's telling you something. But I guess this leads into my next question really, really well. So how do people know? Like, I get a fair number of people who come to me, not 100% sure, but pretty quickly, they realize, no, I really love the law. And I want to be a lawyer. But I think there is this, this back and forth. How do I know if I'm not meant to be a lawyer? And that's the problem. 
versus I'm just at the wrong place or doing it in a way that's not working for me and there's a better way? Yeah. So I think there are a couple of things that are really important for people to know. I think one is what I tell people is there's a difference between this general sense of like, maybe there's the perfect legal job out there that would actually work for me that I can't actually identify every legal job I hear of sounds terrible, but like, I feel like as a lawyer, I can't like close the door on it until I could prove definitively to someone that like, there is no legal job that I, that I could possibly want to do. And Mm -hmm. I completely understand that feeling because I have been there. You know, I see it all the time with my clients, but what I tell people is like, do you have specific things that you actually like about being a lawyer? What are those things? Is there a way that you could use those things within a legal job, but remove the pieces of it that are making it feel intolerable to you? Or is there another type of legal job other than the one that you're doing that you are interested in pursuing and not just like, I have a generic idea of some other legal job that I have sort of created to be like the perfect legal job in my mind. Like for some people that's like in-house, you know, like in-house would be the answer for some people it's nonprofit work for some people, the government, have you actually gone and spoken with people who are doing that job and heard like what their day to day is like, what, what a week is like for them, what, you know, what, what they're actually doing in their day to day. And based on that, like real tangible information about what your life would look like in that job, you've concluded, yes, I'm actually interested in that. Mm-hmm. For most people, they don't have that. They just have this vague unease that maybe they haven't run down like every single possible rabbit trail, (laughs) if that makes sense. Yes. Um, The other thing that I think is really important for people to know is lawyers, because of the way our profession is, have a very strong sense of like, it's a black and white decision. Uh If I choose to leave this role and go to something that's non-practicing, then like, I can never change my mind again. Like they put a lot of pressure on that initial decision, thinking, kind of thinking of it as like, this is the, so like I made this decision to become a lawyer. That wasn't a good decision. So now I need to make another decision. And that needs to be the 100% right decision that I will like never deviate from, Uh which is the exact kind of thinking that gets people sort of like into the law and then feeling stuck. Yep. And so- so I would say like one people who are, who are trying to figure out who are feeling this tension of like, is it really the law? Is it just certain things about how I'm currently practicing one kind of think about like how, how much of this like black and white thinking are you falling into either I leave completely and can never come back or I stay forever. Uh And then two, can you actually identify actual other legal jobs that you actually want to do based on information, like real information about what that looks like and have you actually pursued that as an option? Uh Or are you just trying to silence all of the inner critics in your head that you haven't foreclosed every single possible path in order to justify making a different decision? Right. So it's almost like make a pros and cons list of what you do and don't like 
And if you're really honest, you should be able to look at it. There should be something about being a lawyer, practicing law. Like, what about the law do you like? What about, you know, and if you don't like that, that's very telling, number one, right? And if you do, go talk to other people in different roles, different firms, different types of firms, in-house. Find out what their day-to-day is like and figure out, okay, does that sound good to me? And even start interviewing at other places. It doesn't mean you have to leave, you know. (laughs) But see what it is and say, is this something that sounds good? Because if you do that, and by the way, this should not take you years to do. This is like a couple of months maybe, right? Like Mm -hmm. people, just get started and do it. It doesn't mean you have to make a decision. Doesn't, But it, it allows you a couple of months of exploration. And if you end up on the other side going, oh, my God, I don't think any of that would work, that's telling you that maybe you're not meant to be a lawyer. <laughs> yeah. And perhaps it's time to start exploring other options. The interesting thing, I love that black and white thinking, though. We lawyers, I I think everybody to some extent has this, but lawyers especially, we have this idea of I am trained to be a lawyer and therefore that is all I'm supposed to be. And if I choose to spur that training and do something else, number one, I'm not trained to do it. So, oh my God, I'm not capable, which is BS, y'all. You got through law, you took the LSAT, you got through <laughs> law school, you've been practicing law. If you can do that, you can go out and do just about anything else. FYI. Entrepreneur, your big issue is your mindset. You need to come into it with more entrepreneurial, open mindset of, you know, I'm going to try new things. I may fall down. I may fail, but that's okay because it's new information and I can utilize it to move on, number one. And number two, there is nothing that says that if you go out for a year or two and try something else and you ultimately decide you want to practice again, you can't. Like, you could totally do it. Would you go back to your last employer? No. If you left big law, are you likely to get hired immediately by a big law? No. Let's just be honest there. But there's a billion other – there's a lot of other employers out there. You you could – heck, you could hang your own shingle and make a good living, by the way. I know that because I have people who've done that that are clients, right? You could do a lot of things. You could still practice law if you so decide. <laughs> so <laughs> I yes. just want to reiterate what you said because it's so important. And we know this gets in people's way. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think, oh, I have so many things to say about this topic, so I'm going to try to like rein it in, but I, <laughs> I just, I think, I think part of what, well, part of what gives lawyers this, this particular like rigidity around like making changes in their career is because the legal profession itself can very quickly put people in boxes. Like people have had experiences of like, oh, I started in litigation and I want to move to transactional and, and like, you know, some, like even within a particular firm, like people acted like, like, that's just the craziest thing ever anyone has ever asked. You know what I mean? And so there is some rigidity, I think within the profession uh, and people sort of assume that's how everyone in all professions operate, which is not actually true. So I think, I think that's one thing that is like really important for people to know. Um, And then the other thing is I, so many people who chose to go to law school did so not based on some like deep understanding of like who they were. It was more like, what am I good at? What matches that? Okay. I'm going to go do that. And so I think part of what creates this like deep sense of unease for people on top of the fact that they've been on this path in many time cases from like 
kindergarten until, you know, they're in a law firm and it's been like school, college, law school, there's always been this clear path. And now you're telling me I'm supposed to just like go off the path. Like, what does that even mean? But on top of that, people, I think many lawyers, again, speaking from experience here as well, like really never developed the skill of being able to understand like, what is it that I want independent of external expectations? Who am I myself? Not who are people telling me I am or I'm supposed to be or whatever. Not to say like, who cares about the people in your life? Obviously you care, but um, I have found that many lawyers have like an underdeveloped sense of self and ability to really know what it is that they like to do, what they dislike, um, what their personality really is. A lot of lawyers come to associate the traits that they've developed to be good at their job as like their inherent personality. So Mm -hmm. a lot of it is just sort of figuring out how to know who you are, because it's really Mm -hmm. hard to pick something that's good for you if you have an idea of who you are that isn't actually real. Correct. Yeah, no, it's very confusing. And potentially puts you on the wrong path, which is why it's so important to step back and go, okay, let's go discover this first. And then once you know, okay, that's really not it, then it's time to open up with, you know, sometimes people can do this on their own. Other times you really need to get help (laughs) to discover those things. Because although I do believe that most of us are capable of discovering them, it is certainly true that it is much quicker to do it with help with somebody who's trained to help you and knows what they're doing. And this isn't a plug for me, y'all, because I don't really do this kind of coaching (laughs) anymore. I started doing it, but I don't do a lot of it. I'm really the girl for people who know they want to be lawyers. But what's funny is for the people who want to be lawyers, I also help them discover those things so that they can make the practice really what they want as opposed to the practice everybody else expects of them. You yes. talked about that too, right? We we uh, There are all these expectations of us in the positions that we're in, and we think we're supposed to fulfill everyone, and that's just not true. You can and should be fulfilling what your expectations are first. And when you do that, you can build a much more thriving and fulfilling practice, or if it's not a practice, you know, whatever it is that you're building or meant to do, you're going to be a lot happier. You're also going to be more attractive to the people you're really meant to serve and be there for. And it just makes things easier. So I would say that's really important. And something you said earlier kind of got me thinking, you said it a little bit differently, but it got me thinking about we all have certain strengths. And we think that because we have these strengths that naturally tell us we should be lawyers, right? Um, That that's all we can be. But the funny thing is those strengths translate into all kinds of things right? Like you're a perfect example of that because you no longer practice. I'm a perfect example of that. What made me a really good lawyer is I'm, I think if you've ever taken the strengths finder, like the Gallup thing, Mm -hmm. strategic, I think that's one of them. That's one of mine. And it made me really, really good as a corporate finance lawyer. Like I was incredibly good at taking really complex things and boiling them down to the A, B, C, and being able to explain it to people and then being able to document it and making things just seem very simple that were complex. Well, that strength, y'all, translates into coaching incredibly well. Like it translates into things you never, ever thought of. And you have strengths. Everybody does. 
you can utilize those strengths, trust me, in all kinds of ways. You don't have to just be a lawyer. (laughs) So I wanted to highlight that because you kind of mentioned that earlier on. Yes. I think, oh gosh, so many. Well, first of all, I think that the number of incredibly accomplished people who I have worked with who literally believe I'm not qualified for any other job. When I talk with non-lawyers and tell them about the work that I'm doing, they are like stunned because in the minds of most normal people, (laughs) they're like, oh, someone who went to law school, they're a hard worker. They're smart. They could do anything. And yet the lawyers themselves, and it's almost like the more accomplished they are, at least by like the legal professions terms, the more they feel like I could not be anything other than this. There was something else. Uh, What was it? Oh, yes. About the strengths. So like, um, yeah, my number one Clifton strength is harmony. Um, let me just say that if your number one strength, uh, Clifton strength is harmony, you should not be a litigator. Like, (laughs) no, I can say that pretty definitively. Um, that is not what you should be doing with your life. And so I think the other thing that is so interesting is that often as lawyers, the things that are our strengths we actually come to see as weaknesses because they don't fit within whatever box is sort of being presented as like, these are the strengths that you should have if you're a lawyer of this type. Mm -hmm. And so then you have all these people trying to like fit themselves into these boxes and improve certain strengths when they have all of these other strengths available to them that they're they're not even recognizing. Yeah. 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 So, you know. And and if you haven't taken the Clifton strengths. It's great. I love it. Highly recommend it. It's very, I think it gives you a lot of insight. And I'm not, like, I do use it with some of my clients, but I'm not affiliated with it. So, you know, I can say wholeheartedly, I really agree with, you know, taking it if you never have, because it can really help you. I don't know if you utilize it in your coaching at all. It can really help you understand what you're naturally talented. It's kind of like your talents, your innate, like why people come to you to get your viewpoint, to get your two cents, to get your, you know, I think we tend to think of strengths as skills, like, oh, I'm a good writer, or I'm a good speech. No, that's not what we're really talking about. Now, some of your strengths may play into why you're so good at those things, but this is goes even deeper than that. And it can really help you understand yourself better and where kind of the right places are for you to go if you're not, if you're struggling with, do I really want to practice law anymore? And frankly, I utilize them with my clients on how to make their practice more fulfilling, more fun, easier, how to build, especially private practice lawyers, how to build their business using strategies that don't even feel like that much work because they just come naturally and they're more fun for them. So there's a lot of ways you can utilize that. So I just, I wanted to mention that. I actually just recently, so I have used some other assessments with my clients and I just added in Clifton Strengths a couple of months ago because I actually did it for myself and was like, oh, this is really helpful. One, it gives you language around how to talk about your strengths, I think, mm-hmm. in ways that lawyers maybe don't have, um, but then also identifying reasons that a particular work environment is or is not a good fit. I think it can yep. be really helpful with that as well. Absolutely. Yeah. No, it's funny. So I have a client who she didn't tell me that she'd already taken the Clifton strengths, but we started working with one another. And she had this like incredible ability to read people very intuitively and then see their strengths and weaknesses really, really well. 
And so what she did with it is she knew how to put great teams together, like client teams. And I can't remember what it was called because it's not one of my strengths. But (laughs) when I found out, I'm like, oh, my God, you've got to use this for your client development because she was a business client. And so she was better because she was she needed to pivot her practice. Her practice area was kind of dying when she came in. She needed to pivot so she could grow in a new area. And she was able to utilize that to really identify the right people that could help her from a collaborative standpoint so she didn't have to go it alone, so she could utilize her strengths and then put together really great teams for going out and getting business and growing it as, as a group. And so that's just an example. Like, you can use it in so many ways. And if you have that strength... <laughs> That tells you something. You need to be in a culture that is more collaborative, that allows for that, right? <laughs> so yes. it's yes. so helpful to know those things from a personal standpoint, but also from a cultural fit standpoint, which really gets to whether you're very happy with where you are. hundred percent. Okay. So somebody, let's say they decide, yeah, I know I need to leave, but figure it out and you feel like, okay, I at least made one decision. Then what? That's even more overwhelming, isn't it? <laughs> what should someone... Start. What are kind of some of the first steps that they, people can take to try to figure out? Okay, what is my next step? Yeah. So one of the ver- very first things that I I recommend that people do is that they tell someone, which sounds maybe mm-hmm. like obvious, but for a lot of lawyers, especially lawyers who have been unhappy, they've spent a long time complaining to like their friends and family and the people who are close to them, their partner, whomever about their job. And it's not always clear to those people when you've tipped over the line from like, I'm complaining about my job to I genuinely am thinking about leaving my job yep. and making that change really like you are going to want support from the people around you. And so one of the first things that I recommend people do is to talk to someone who they, who they believe will be like supportive of their decision. Cause sometimes you have people where it's like, maybe don't tell that particular family member. If you Uh think it's going to be like a very difficult, like (laughs) go a little down the road. Um, but because you really do want people to know like, Hey, like an actual decision has been made. And like, there's going to be something sort of like qualitatively different about how I'm approaching this going forward. Uh So that's the, like one of the first things. And then the other thing that I think is really important, and this is more like a don't do Do not just look at here are my skills and then go to LinkedIn and like scroll the job boards and try to find a job that you think matches those skills. Mm -hmm. Zero judgment. Literally, we have all done it because you're like, I want out. I want out today. How quickly can I get out? And in some cases, you really do need to get out quickly. That is totally fine. But taking your skills and just trying to find a job that matches them is essentially what most of us did when we chose to become lawyers. Right. And you cannot know that something is going to be a better fit for you. If you don't have clarity on why you became a lawyer, what you were hoping to get out of it, why you don't like it, things that you do like about it. Like, who are you? What are your Uh values? What is your personality? Like all of these things 
are things that you need to get clear on before you start doom scrolling and applying for non-legal jobs. And so that's the other thing that I would really encourage people again, barring like I'm in a a super toxic situation and basically just need to like get into any other situation, actually have enough Uh space to think about this. That's my other piece of advice. Don't just start trying to find things that you think people will hire you for. Right. And you've kind of given us though the roadmap for that, what you need to do. You need to kind of go back and revisit, okay, why did I become a lawyer? What was it that made me want to do that? What do I enjoy doing? Who am I? What are my values? I would say values are really important, which is something I do a lot of work around as well. And I'm betting you do as well, it sounds like, to try to figure out what those next steps are. I got to (laughs) say, the moment I knew for sure that I was leaving my legal practice, was the day I told my husband I no longer wanted to practice law. I can totally tell you that was like when the real shift happened. It stopped being something I obsessed over in my mind and started being real and tangible for me because I admitted it to somebody close to me who I knew needed to know and who could help support me to figure out what those next steps were. You think it's obvious? I don't think it is because, you know, maybe it is to some of us, but it's the hardest thing to do because we're so wrapped up in this is who I am. This is what I've done. This is what everybody expects. This is what success supposedly is, right? And so it's really hard to admit to anybody that you don't want to do it anymore. And it that's when it transitions out of complaining, you know, and worrying and obsessing over all the, you know, the stuff that's going on in your head and just looking like somebody who has to vent to, okay, she's serious. She needs to move on. And I, that was probably one of the hardest things I ever did. Because even though I knew him, even though we'd been through cancer, even though like all these things, it was really scary to say out loud to him because it made it super real. And I ultimately didn't know how he'd respond. Like I knew he'd still love me <laughs> and, and ultimately would support me. But I didn't know what that initial reaction was going to be. And it was an interesting one, I have to say, because it was like, why... I don't think it totally shocked him, but it was a, oh, crap, okay, this is going to change a lot in our lives. This is going to change our lifestyle. But after about 20, 30 seconds, it was, all right, so let's figure this out. Let's move forward. That's fine. Let's, you know, do you need to quit? Like, are you telling me you want to quit now and give him notice? Or are you, you know, that's where we immediately went. And ultimately, I was like, no, I want to figure out what I'm doing, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, and and go through some processes It may be two years from now before, and it actually was about two years after that. But that's when – and the other thing I would say is when you do that, unless you're in a place that's truly toxic, which is different, that for me, within a month of that, I actually felt perfectly fine with staying and practicing for a while because I knew I was actually working on figuring out those next steps, and I was in that – I was in the place I needed to be to figure that out. And so it's like this, I had this like weight lifted off of my shoulders that I'd had there forever, you know, trying to, not forever, but for a couple of years wrestling with why am I so unhappy? Why do I not want to do this anymore? What's wrong with me? You know, (laughs) people are going to think you're crazy. You're so successful now. And you always liked this and blah, 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 all the stuff we tell ourselves. I found that really interesting. And I do find with other people who go through this that a lot of them experience something very similar. So I think that's, it is, it sounds so simple, but it's a big piece. Yeah. And I think it, 
like, okay. So sometimes when some people talk about making a career transition, especially one that, you know, some might see as extreme, like leaving Mm -hmm. legal practice, there tends to be this, like, if you're serious, you should like do it immediately kind of attitude, which Um, I mean, you heard my story, like, obviously that was not what I did. And, and, you know, some of the people who I work with do make a move really quickly, but a lot of them are in positions like I was where they're, where it's like, I know I want to do this, but like, I need to get some things in place. I need to spend some time and figure out what I actually want to do. But like you said, there is so much like just having a, this is not going to go on forever. Like it's so much, it does take off a huge weight in a way that I think is kind of hard to describe until you experience it to just know, like, this is just something I'm doing for a season. It's not something that is like interminable telling someone and like taking that action because it's like, it's an action as opposed to just like your brain worrying that, that really, I think can make that shift for a lot of people. It can. And I will say, you don't have to take two years like I did. I mean, I think everybody has their own individual situation. Some people can jump quickly and not, and be fine because they have, they're totally financially secure. Others aren't, and they want to start something on the side. Others are so unsure of it, they want to like go through some processes first to figure out what it is. Like, there's a lot of us are in different stages at that point. And so you get to decide what's best for you. I will say when I told my husband, I didn't know it would be two years. I knew it wouldn't be immediately. I said, no, I need to figure this out. It ended up being about two years. I think it was about another seven, eight months when I realized I want to do coaching and was in coach training at that point. And that's when I came and said, okay, here's my deadline because I want to make, you know, save up X amount and make sure we're secure enough for me to just jump off and not have to make anything like nothing for a couple of years and us still be fine. That's That was what I wanted that would make me feel good about it. And so nobody, you don't have to do that. It's just what I decided. Um, I could have left earlier if I hadn't had that in mind. But the, the interesting thing is because I decided that and I had a plan and I had a deadline, it made it easier to continue on with what I was doing and be happy because I knew I was following my plan <laughs> to do the things I wanted to do. And so um, I just think it's interesting how the mind works in that way. Yeah. It's kind of a, you once you make these decisions and you're doing the work you need to do to move on to that next thing, you don't actually have to have it all done for you to actually start feeling better, yes. which is amazing. 100%. Is there anything before you go that we felt we haven't covered that you wanted to say? You know, I think the one thing, and we already touched on this, so just really briefly, is that a lot of people experience this feeling of, who am I if I'm not a lawyer? And that's one of the big hurdles in terms of like thinking about leaving because it's hard to imagine it's it's it is hard to imagine not just that it's hard to imagine being something other than a lawyer but for many lawyers being in a job that is prestigious like all of these sorts of things get wrapped into their identity and so yeah. when we talk about leaving the law we're not just talking about leaving the law for a lot of people it's like do i even exist mm-hmm. if i if this is not who i am Mm -hmm. which one is why I'm like constantly recommending therapy 
I think that's a really important thing for people to, to know and hear, because I think it can feel like, oh, well, it's just like a bunch of technical things, like changing your resume and like, kind of like those. And to me, like when people come into my program, I tell them, like, I am 0% concerned about your ability to like write a cover letter and revise a resume for a non-legal job. Right. Like that to me is that we don't even need to worry about that. That is completely doable. Like the stuff that is actually challenging is the stuff that's tied up with who you believe that you are and what you believe you can do and knowing who you are. And so uh, that's, that's really the main thing that I would say. Kind of giving yourself permission to step into who you really want to be, as opposed to how you've been defining yourself based on everybody else's perception of who you're supposed to be. Right. Which, which for most people has kept them very safe. Yeah. You know, I mean, like it has done things for them that are important and good. And so it, it really is a lot to untangle. So if, if it, it feels hard, this is, this is something that I say from a child psychologist who I follow for like parenting advice, but like, if it feels hard, it's because it is hard, not because you're doing <laughs> something wrong. So, so that, like that's that. what I will leave you with. <laughs> I love that. Well, where can people find you? Um, yeah. So my website is formerlawyer.com. And if you go there, you can see all the things and all the links to the socials. And if you want to get on my email list, you can do that. So yeah, formerlawyer.com. Wonderful. Thank you so much. This was such an important conversation. And I know that we're going to have a lot of people benefiting from it. Thank you, Heather. This was really fun. Are you tired of barely squeezing life in thinking, shouldn't there be more to life than this? Do you want to get to the next level, but without losing yourself in the process? Are you ready to start thinking and doing differently so that you can stop doing the same things over and over and over, hoping for a different result? If any of this speaks to you and you're ready to do something about it starting now, book a call with me to find out how I can help. Go to lifeandlawpodcast.com forward slash free call.